0: Good morning. In today's headlines, former President Trump announces plans to turn himself in at Fulton County Jail on Thursday. And conditions for release in his $200,000 bond order include restrictions on social media use. We have the analysis.
1: A House panel subpoenas IRS and DOJ officials in its investigation of Hunter Biden. The aim is to probe claims of special treatment from federal prosecutors.
0: President Biden visits Maui to survey damage and speak to survivors. We have takeaways from the trip and reactions from locals.
1: Texas Governor Greg Abbott is turning to other states for help with the southern border and many Republican governors have come to help out.
0: Illegal immigrants in New York City will get housing at a Brooklyn airfield. Meanwhile, migrants housed at a state college in Buffalo, New York are being evicted.
1: Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan.
0: Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Tuesday, August 22nd.
1: 200 grand. That's a pretty severe tr- bond for Trump.
0: Yeah, well, he suggests the D-I- DA thought he was a flight risk.
1: Oh, yeah. Well, then he joked about how he would fly to, quote, Russia, 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 a reference to the now debunked Russia collusion narrative.
0: Right. And his surrender could probably uh, dominate the news more than the highlights uh, from the debate that he won't be at.
1: That's a good point. And we're glad you're here. And we're starting off with an update on former President Trump's Georgia election case.
0: Trump says he will turn himself in Thursday at a Fulton, Fulton County jail. That's over 13 charges he faces for contesting the state's 2020 election results. His bond was set at $200,000.
1: Several other defendants had bond orders approved yesterday. John Eastman had bonds set at $100,000. He plans to surrender to Fulton County authorities tomorrow. All 19 defendants in the case are expected to turn themselves in this week. District Attorney Fannie Willis set a deadline of Friday this week.
0: Trump made the announcement on social media where he called the el- case election interference released. Conditions outlined in Trump's bond order include specific restrictions on using social media.
1: The 2024 presidential candidate is barred from targeting the 18 co-defendants in the case, the 30 unindicted alleged co-conspirators, or any witnesses. That includes his social media posts or reports from another indivi- reposts from another individual. And former President Trump's bond is made up of $80,000 for the RICO offense and $10,000 for each of the other 12 counts. Bond is used as collateral to ensure a person shows up in court. We're going to get some insight into this and the restrictions on Trump's communications. Bill Jacobson, lawyer and professor at Cornell Law School, joins us now. Bill, it's great to have you with us. Is Trump's steep $200,000 bond a typical amount in situations like this?
2: Well, I don't think this is a typical case. So it's really hard to say what would be typical for a former president of the United States and leading candidate for the presidency being indicted. So it's hard to say, but you know, normally this is something that's used to secure somebody's return to court and to secure compliance with whatever other terms of release are. 200,000 is probably higher than most people would have received. On the other hand, with Donald Trump and his wealth, uh, I don't see it as outrageous, the number in itself.
1: Right, and Bill, flight risks are usually people who have a record of failing to appear in court or wealthy people with few local ties who have been convicted of severe crimes like financial fraud. It doesn't seem like Trump is a flight risk. What's your take on this?
2: Yeah, well, Donald Trump is probably the most recognizable man on earth right now. And I don't think that's an exaggeration. He's everywhere. He's on every TV show. On He's all over the place. So the notion that he would somehow flee where is he going to go? Who's going to take him? Now, I guess he could flee to his friend in North Korea. I guess that's a possibility, but he'd have to take his secret, secret service detail with him. So uh, I, I think there was no real flight risk when it comes to Donald Trump. My guess yeah. is that the bond is more for the other things.
1: Okay, and what's that?
2: And those are the restrictions on his ability to communicate with witnesses making sure he doesn't try to intimidate witnesses uh, including his communications on social media including retweets or reposts of what others have said and that's going to be very tough for him considering he's a political candidate and at least one of the people who's running for office mike pence is a witness
1: and what is the connection between the actual bond amount and then those restrictions are they related
2: well i think the bond amount was meant to get his attention but The reality is his liberty and his freedom is what would keep him from communicating with witnesses, not the $200,000 bond. So you're right. In that extent, the dollar amount of the bond is not going to make a difference. What's going to make a difference is that if he violates those terms of release, which he's agreed to, he could be hauled into jail and left there until trial.
1: I see. And Bill, Trump and four co-defendants, like we mentioned, are barred from communicating with other co-defendants and witnesses about the facts in this case, but they can through their attorneys. So what impact do you think this is going to have on the defense?
2: Well, I don't think it's going to have an impact on the actual courtroom defense. I think it will have an impact on the public relations end of the case and the political end of the case. Donald Trump is restricted to a significant degree THROUGH THESE COMMUNICATION RESTRICTIONS FROM DEFENDING HIMSELF IN PUBLIC BECAUSE HE IS THERE'S ALMOST LIKE THERE'S BEEN A TRAP SET FOR HIM THAT IF HE VIOLATES ONE OF THESE RESTRICTIONS HE COULD BE BROUGHT BACK AND BROUGHT INTO JAIL THAT'S NOT A PROBLEM FOR MOST PEOPLE BECAUSE MOST PEOPLE DON'T HAVE 7 OR 8 MILLION FOLLOWERS ON TRUTH SOCIAL MOST PEOPLE AREN'T DOING RADIO AND TV ALL THE TIME IT WOULD BE VERY EASY FOR HIM TO SLIP UP PARTICULARLY SINCE as we all know, both his supporters and his detractors would agree. He has a little trouble from about not saying things. He wants to get out there what he thinks. So I, I think this is a massive trap for him, and he's got to be very careful.
1: Right. Trump has been very vocal on social media. So they're also not allowed to do anything that would intimidate co-defendants and witnesses. Can you give us some examples of what intimidation would
2: look like in this case? Well, I think he came close to it a couple of weeks ago where he put something on Truth Social that if you come after me, I'll come after you. Now, he didn't name anybody there, but I think that walked right up to the line on the restrictions they had in the D.C. case, the D.C. federal case. And I don't know whether that would be considered intimidation in this Georgia case, but certainly if he had named somebody, if he says anything about, you know, we'll get even with you Mike Pence or something like that, obviously that would be a clear violation. The other things, if he calls people liars, if he does things like that, that I think has a potential to violate these restrictions. Anytime he names somebody either directly or by inference, I think he's got a real problem.
1: So what do you think the judge's reasoning was? Because there's a lot of details in this particular restriction set on Trump that usually is involved in others.
2: Yeah, well, I think that the judge, and this was a negotiated deal, so this is a deal presented to the judge, so I would say this is more the prosecution. Why did they want it? Because Trump can be a very intimidating factor for a lot of people. He has supporters who allegedly are threatening the grand jury members now, allegedly are threatening the district attorney, and even if he doesn't direct them to do that, that happens. And so, I think that's one of the concerns, is that he could incite people against witnesses and all of a sudden they're going to be getting phone calls at home, there are going to be people showing up at their houses. So I think that's what the prosecution's probably afraid of, is that he has the power to mobilize people and that you know, could intimidate witnesses into not testifying.
1: Well, thanks for bringing your insight. Bill Jacobson, Cornell Law School professor, I appreciate it. Great, thank you. And one of President Donald Trump's 18 co-defendants in the Georgia election case has reached an agreement on bond. And that bond order of $100,000 for John Eastman is listed on the Fulton County Court website. The conservative attorney's bond agreement stipulates that he will not communicate in any way with fellow co-defendants or witnesses about the case unless through counsel.
0: Eastman also cannot take action to intimidate anyone tied to the case. The attorney faces numerous criminal charges for his alleged role to help Trump dispute 2020 election results.
1: In Georgia, Eastman is accused of urging state lawmakers to appoint GOP electors to replace Democratic electors. Prosecutors also allege Eastman devised a six-step plan that then-Vice President Mike Pence could use during Electoral College certification to overturn the presidential election.
0: Police arrested a Chicago woman for allegedly making death threats to former President Trump and his 17-year-old son Barron.
1: Tracy Marie Fiorenza is now accused of sending two emails to a Palm Beach County, Florida school threatening to shoot Trump and his son. She was charged with one count of transmitting threats to kill or injure another person in interstate commerce. It carries a maximum sentence of five years in prison or a maximum fine of $250,000. Fiorenza was scheduled for an appearance in Chicago federal court on Monday, but it's likely she will be transferred to Florida where the charges were filed. It's unclear if Barron Trump actually attends the school where the emails were sent. Threats of violence against public officials have been increasing ahead of the 2024 election. Dr. Mario Scalora is the consulting psychologist with the U.S. Capitol Police. According to Forbes, he says threats could be attributed to the false sense of anonymity people have on social media.
0: House Republicans are moving forward with their investigation into Hunter Biden's prosecution. A House panel issued subpoenas for officials at the Department of Justice and the IRS. Here's a story.
3: The House Ways and Means Committee issued a subpoena for four officials at the FBI and the IRS. It's part of the committee's investigation into claims the agency's meddled to protect Hunter Biden against prosecution. The four officials are IRS Director of Field Operations Michael Batdorf, IRS Special Agent in Charge Darrell Walden, FBI Special Agent in Charge Thomas Soboczynski and FBI Assistant Special Agent in Charge Raishia Hawley. According to whistleblower testimony from two IRS investigators, the four officials were present at a meeting on October 7th, 2022. During the meeting, US Attorney David Weiss was reportedly blocked from pursuing charges against Hunter Biden. The Ways and Means Committee said the FBI and IRS refused to comply with a request for voluntary interviews with the officials multiple times. And that's why the committee is issuing the subpoena. Committee Chairman Jason Smith said the subpoena would be crucial to understanding how the president's son received special treatment from federal prosecutors and who was the ultimate decision maker in the case. The chairman added that the Biden administration has consistently stonewalled Congress in the Hunter Biden investigation. Coming up, a group
1: of governors went on a tour yesterday to assess the situation at the southern border. We spoke to them.
0: Welcome back. President Biden visited Maui yesterday, nearly two weeks after wildfires devastated the Hawaiian island. NTD's Jeremy Sandberg has more on the President's visit and the response from locals.
3: President Biden and First Lady Jill Biden arrived in Lahaina around noon after a helicopter tour of burned out areas. Hawaii Governor Josh Green, local representative Jill Tokuda and Hawaii Senators Brian Schatz and Mazie Hirano accompanied them. Biden's motorcade passed blackened neighborhoods in Lahaina where he delivered remarks. We will uh,
4: be respectful of the sacred grounds and the traditions. That rebuild the way the people of Maui want to build, not the way others want to build. We're going to rebuild the way the people of Maui want to
3: build. The president told survivors that the nation grieves with them and promised help from the federal government for as long as it takes. He then headed to a community event of about 400 people that featured traditional music and heartfelt speeches from local leaders.
4: We want you to know the entire country is here for you at least one hundred and
3: fourteen people are dead, and around eight hundred and fifty are still unaccounted for. The death toll is expected to rise about eighty seven percent of the burn area has been searched. A community organizer who attended a private meeting with Biden says while the visit is appreciated, people want action.
5: His words will be hollow unless there is action behind it, so when he says i 'm behind you, Washington is behind you, the country is behind you." We all hope that those words come true.
3: Outside of the center, a group gathered with signs that read 80 billion for Lahaina and Mr. President listened to the people. One resident whose house burned down questioned the sincerity of the president's promises.
4: I'm happy for the Biden visit, but what happens after this and what happens next, we're all watching. The world is watching.
3: A one-time payment of $700 has been made available to displaced residents to address urgent needs like food, water
6: and clothing. That's not enough money for, for the people, you know. I mean, we appreciate it, but it's like, that, that, that doesn't do anything, you know.
3: FEMA Administrator Deanne Criswell says over $8.5 million in aid has been distributed to some 8,000 affected families, including $3.6 million in rental assistance.
6: Everybody who lost their houses and lost everything in the fire and all this kind of stuff, you know, if, if he's here just for, like, a no help reason, then I don't see why he should be here.
2: God love you all.
3: Biden has been criticized by some Republicans and others for his initial response to the Maui fires. He said he would expand federal aid to Hawaii two days after the fire and then went five days without speaking about the tragedy while vacationing at his Delaware beach house. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News.
1: Cleanup efforts are underway in Nevada after Tropical Storm Hillary unleashed major flooding.
0: Stranded cars and broken roads, Hillary led to substantial flooding in Mount Charleston, one of the hardest hit areas, and left many residents without power. It's the first tropical storm ever to cross into Nevada.
1: First responders are working to evacuate some of the visitors staying in those mountain cabins. It's unclear how many people are in the area, but they're without water and power.
0: Meanwhile, several subdivisions also are dealing with flooding. Authorities are urging residents to stay put. So far, there are no reports of injuries or deaths.
1: A group of governors went on tour and y- yesterday to witness the crisis unfolding at the southern border. Texas Governor Greg Abbott, who invited them, held a press conference on border security. NTD has the story from Eagle
3: Pass, Texas.
7: Every state is a border state.
3: Governors from across the nation are sending military and law enforcement personnel to Texas to help secure the border. Four of the governors joined Texas Governor Greg Abbott on Monday to hold a press conference on the border crisis.
7: 853 people died last year. The United Nations, an agency of it, declared the border between the United States and Mexico as the deadliest land border in the entire world.
3: Governor Abbott sent out a letter in May to other states requesting help at the border. The relocating troops will be aiding Operation Lone Star, which fights against illegal immigration. According to the governor, 25 states, or almost half the country, are behind border security efforts.
5: This really is a war. It's a war for our country.
3: South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem said she was the first to send National Guards to Texas.
5: And the cartels are out for blood, and they are facilitating the trafficking of our children each and every day.
3: Nebraska, Iowa, and Oklahoma governors also say the increase in drug cartels from the open border is hurting their constituents.
7: I mean, we are fighting cartels that are trying to kill our kids.
5: Kill our kids. Since 2020, we have seen a 500% increase in the amount of fentanyl that has been seized. We've seen a 100% increase in meth, and we have seen drug-related deaths increased by 35 percent.
7: We've seen fentanyl uh, increase. I think the deaths have gone up 500 percent in Oklahoma just over the last couple years.
3: The conference took place in the city of Eagle Pass, where Texas is putting the controversial buoy barriers and razor wire along the Rio Grande River. Governor Stitt says that's the only solution.
7: There's a border wall right here behind us, okay? But we can't defend the border wall uh, we have to go into the river and build a barrier because the policies right now, if you cross the river and you get on that side of the border wall, the federal policies right now are you get released into the U.S., you get, you get turned over to the, uh, to the uh, immigration, you get turned over.
3: Meanwhile, the Department of Justice is suing Texas over the boys, and Democrats are calling the barriers inhumane. Local residents are also divided over the issue.
0: I help organize a vigil for people who've died in the river or because of the river. I also want border security, but I want it without the cruelty. So the re- riverbank has become more dangerous because of the concertina wire.
7: We, we do respect immigrants and everything, but we have to put our people and our country first, the security of our nation and our country first.
3: Governor Abbott says Texas is fully authorized not only by the Constitution, but also the treaty with Mexico to secure the border using buoy barriers. Reporting by Brenda Chen and Chi Huin, NTD News.
0: New York Governor Kathy Hochul announced a plan to house 2,500 illegal immigrants at Brooklyn's Floyd Bennett Airfield.
1: The state will provide an additional $20 million to help migrants find work.
0: The arrival of over 100,000 illegal immigrants since 2022 has forced the city to open hundreds of emergency shelters to deal with the massive influx of people.
1: The $20 million allocation would connect at least 30,000 migrants in shelters with caseworkers. That's to assist in finding more permanent housing and to help file asylum claims.
0: This latest notification followed a separate initiative to give free legal assistance to illegal immigrants staying in Manhattan.
1: And on top of that, a public college is kicking 44 illegal immigrants out of its dorms before the school year starts. That's after parents reportedly expressed concerns over campus campus safety. The State University of New York at Buffalo began to house illegal immigrants back in May when a nearby facility ran out of space. The plan was to allow them to stay until August.
0: Now that the time is up, the local shelter is looking to sign another agreement to extend the stay, but the university decided against the extension following backlash from parents.
1: The parents reportedly spoke up after two illegal immigrants were charged with sex crimes in a town 10 miles from the campus.
0: Some activists criticized the school's decision, calling it, quote, discriminatory against these asylum seekers. Of the 44 illegal immigrants, most are from Africa. Several others are from Colombia, Haiti, and the Dominican Republic, and one is from Iraq.
1: We're going to break now. BRICS leaders are currently meeting in South Africa, focusing on how to reduce their reliance on the U.S. dollar. We speak to an expert for more insight.
0: And in a heightened anti-spike crackdown, China fined U.S. firm Mintz Group over one million dollars for so-called unapproved data gathering. We'll have the latest when we return. Good to have you back. BRICS leaders are currently meeting in South Africa, focusing on how to reduce their reliance on the U.S. dollar. This while China's leader Xi Jinping is pushing the bloc to expand and become a geopolitical rival to the U.S.-led world order. To give us more insights, we're bringing in Robert Wright. He's a senior research fellow at the American Institute for Economic Research. Good morning, Robert. It's great to have you. What would an expansion mean for the U.S.? Uh, Because we know Saudi Arabia, for instance, is among those that formally applied as well.
7: Good morning. Yes, the United States has 999 problems. Uh, Saudi Arabia and BRICS is not one of them. Um, they're, they're going to do what they're going to do. Uh, all we can do is to think uh, strategically and to uh, react to any changes that occur, like um, the settlement of oil trades in um, currencies other than the, than the U.S. dollar. And the way to do that, of course, is to strengthen uh, our own policies here domestically.
0: Mm. And on that note, because China wants to push the expansion of the BRICS alliance as well and geopolitically rival the G7. Now, with that, how is the sentiment there from the other members to essentially become something that might be perceived as anti, an anti Western bloc?
7: Uh, yeah, well, again, um, you know, uh, we, we can choose how to perceive these things. Uh, we could also think of it as an uh, OECD. Uh, sort of organization rather than a rival to the the G7, right? Um, The Organization for uh, uh, Economic Cooperation and and Development, in other words, which is about 37 uh, countries, um, basically Western um, market democracies. So why can't uh, other countries also uh, form, you know, economic uh, groupings that they think is in their, their best interest? Uh, the only thing that would worry me would be um, countries being coerced into uh, this, this group uh, because they owe large debts to China.
0: Mm. Now, is that a possibility?
7: Well, yeah, China's been lending um, lots of money to lots of countries as part of their Belt and Road Initiative and, and, and so forth. Uh, they um, understand sometimes our history better than, than we do. Um, and uh, they realize how the, the U.S. used dollar diplomacy in the past uh, in order to keep especially Latin American countries uh, in line. Uh, and China's trying to do the same thing in Central Asia and Africa and also uh, in our own uh, traditional backyard uh, of Latin America.
0: So it's mostly China behind this push. So what, does, what do you think China specifically, how does it fit into its strategy?
7: Well, China wants long-term global hegemony, right? So, if you can knock off the the the, the biggest uh, the biggest rivals, then that will make uh, achieving your goal uh, easier. And of course, the U.S. Uh, dollar is still the dominant uh, world uh, currency, but uh, the Chinese uh, rightly recognize that, uh, especially since March of twenty twenty, U.S. Uh, government policies have been. Uh, suboptimal at best and uh, now is a good time to uh, to test the waters and see if they can take some uh, market share from from the US dollar
3: hmm.
0: now if uh, such a push to uh, the extension would um, happen how should or how should the u.s take a look at um, at their own positioning at this point um, is could it be uh, a threat?
7: Yeah, we we have to uh, you know try if possible to regain some of our moral standing in the world, which we've lost over the last several decades, especially, and uh, improve our own our own fiscal house, which is uh, pretty disastrous right now. And there are some pretty easy steps that uh, we could take, uh, drawing on our on our long history of uh, fiscal stability and 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 probity, that would uh, give uh, countries. You know, confidence in the U.S. dollar uh, once again, and they wouldn't even go looking for, uh, you know, for for alternatives. Uh, there's probably an old proverb from some country or another that says something to the effect that uh, if you treat your wife well, then you don't have to worry about her going off, uh, you know, w- looking looking for other uh, for other help, um, so to speak. Right. Um, so w- we need to get our own house in order and. Uh, everything uh, will be just fine.
0: Right, I see what you're saying there. So thank you so much, Robert Wright. Thanks for your insight, I appreciate it.
7: Thank you, have a great day.
0: Now China imposed a fine of about $1.5 million on a U.S. research firm. That's the latest in a nationwide crackdown on foreign businesses in the name of national security.
1: The company Mintz Group was penalized months after authorities closed its Beijing office and detained five of its local employees.
0: In a statement dated July 14th, Beijing claimed that Mintz was engaged in foreign-related statistical investigation activities without obtaining approval. It gave no details on the nature of such investigations.
1: As a due diligence firm, Mintz checks the backgrounds of new hires and gathers information for business partners. The company didn't immediately respond to inquiries, but has previously said its operations in China are transparent and legal.
0: As Washington ramps up sanctions against Chinese industries, Mint has become one of a series of U.S. companies targeted in Beijing's counter-espionage campaign. From April through May, Chinese police raided two other U.S. consultancies, Capvision and Bain and & Company.
1: Last month, the regime broadened its anti-espionage laws around information sharing. The move has alarmed foreign investors.
0: And now getting to some short headlines from around the world.
1: Russian mercenary leader Yevgeny Prigozhin has published his first recruitment video since his failed mutiny in Russia, which suggests he is in Africa. In the video, the Wagner Group chief says their operations are making Russia even greater on all continents and Africa even more free. Entity is unable to independently verify the video. The UN accuses Wagner of committing war crimes in Africa.
0: Three Moscow airports were temporarily closed today following a drone attack just west of Moscow. Russian officials said its air defense systems thwarted four nighttime Ukrainian drone attacks whose falling debris damaged cars and department buildings. There were no reports of injuries in the attacks that Russia blamed on Kyiv.
1: The U.S. Embassy in Belarus is warning U.S. citizens in the country to get out as soon as possible. It comes as neighboring NATO nations have begun cutting off contact with the Russian ally. Lithuania recently sealed off two of its border crossing points with Belarus, increasing the risk that U.S. citizens might get stuck in the country.
0: Dozens of hospital patients were evacuated onto a ferry in a Greek port city today as uncontrolled wildfires raged uncontrolled for a fourth day. Hundreds of firefighters have been struggling to contain the blaze that broke out near the city on Saturday. One person was killed.
1: Well, yeah, and sealing up the border, that comes after Russian troops were now staged in Belarus and also that Belarusian forces were allowing this, facilitating of this invasion.
0: Right, and the embassy gave a similar message in April saying that U.S. citizens should leave immediately.
1: Yeah, and it's good advice too, given the fact that there may be arbitrary detentions and civil unrest there as well. So coming up is the mask mandate coming back. One Atlanta university is about to reinstate mandates for its students.
0: And a group of activists and moms that lost their children to fentanyl meet in Times Square to raise awareness of the crisis among the nation's youth.
1: Parents and parental rights activists are protesting a series of controversial bills in California. Some say they indoctrinate children and separate them from their parents. More on that when we come back.
0: Welcome back. Think again, fentanyl kills. This message lit up a billboard in Times Square yesterday on National Fentanyl Prevention and Awareness Day.
1: The CDC reported over 100,000 people died of drug overdoses and poisonings in the U.S. last year. Almost 70% involved synthetic opioids like fentanyl. Here's the story.
5: A group called Facing Fentanyl held an awareness event Monday on Times Square. The organization warned people about the growing fentanyl poisoning problem in the United States. This morning, our families stand in Times Square on the busiest street in America to acknowledge the hundreds of thousands of lives that have been lost to fentanyl poisoning. The CDC says fentanyl is a synthetic opioid about 50 times stronger than heroin and 100 times more potent than morphine.
3: According to the CDC, the leading cause of death among Americans between ages of 18 and 45 is drug poisonings. The CDC estimates that over 110,000 Americans died from drug poisonings in just last year.
5: Many of the fentanyl poisoning victims didn't even realize they took fentanyl.
3: The national drug supply is tainted with this deadly analog called fentanyl. Uh, People, when they're suspecting to buy some kind of prescription medication on the street, Xanax, Klonopin, Valium, and end up overdosing or poisoned from fentanyl, that is a national scourge that's claiming the lives of more Americans than ever before we tracked.
5: Activists say educating the public is crucial in reversing the trend. We're
3: doing everything we can with moms and dads and brothers and sisters who have lost people to band together with our federal government and educate our communities. National drug supply is tainted. We wish it wasn't, but it was. One pill can kill.
5: The CDC recommends wider distribution of medications, which reverse opioid overdoses, and to increase awareness about access to treatment. Parents
0: rights activists are protesting a series of controversial bills now winding their way through California's legislature. Some say they indoctrinate children and separate them from their parents. Entity's Jack Bradley tells us more.
4: Good
6: morning Evelyn. An increasing number of Californians are protesting several bills that they claim would strip parents of their constitutional rights to raise their children without state intervention. Nicole Pearson, attorney and founder of Facts, Law, Truth, Justice, mentioned four bills that are of particular concern. The worst of which, she says, is Assembly Bill 665. That's authored by Democratic Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco and Assemblywoman Wendy Carrillo of Los Angeles.
4: If a professional person deems your 12-year-old to be mature enough, he or she can leave home for any reason without any notice to the parents and check themselves into a government run or funded or affiliated residential shelter. That is probably the most egregious bill. We call it the state sanctioned kidnapping or state sanctioned runaway bill. And it's basically facilitating children moving out of their homes for any reason. Right now, the way the law is written is 12 year olds can only leave home without notice to their parents, like literally in the dead of the night, or if they go to school and a counselor realizes something's wrong, they can only leave home if they're the victims of abuse incest or a danger to themselves or others. For example, they want to kill themselves or their parents or their sibling or their teacher. Absolutely, we want to remove those children from a dangerous situation and we want to move them into a government shelter. But what Senator Scott Wiener and Wendy Carrillo want to do excuse me, are remove those requirements so that any child can move out of their home at any time and move into a government uh, shelter, which we know will open up a CPS investigation, will make them wards of the state, and by default, again, separate them from the parents. And at, if you don't have the time or the money or the resources, will ultimately end up terminating your parental rights. It's a very, very dangerous bill. So that's AB um, 665. And another horrible bill authored by Senator Scott Weiner is Assembly Bill 957. He and Assemblywoman Lori Wilson wrote that bill. And that bill, again, towards breaking up families, says if there are two parents who are separating and are fighting over custody, the the parent that is affirming the child's gender identity will be the favored parent. And that will actually make law that affirming a child's self-selected gender identity with no age limit. So any child, in fact, Lori Wilson used the example of a seven-year-old. If your seven-year-old comes home, you must affirm their gender because affirming a child's self-selected gender identity is in line with their health, safety and welfare. If both parents do not affirm their child's gender identity, then they will both be found to be jeopardizing or acting contrary to that child's health, safety, and welfare, and both will risk losing custody.
6: Then there's Assembly Bill 1078, which Pearson says would take local control away from school boards.
4: It says school boards can do whatever they want. However, if you do whatever you want, then you, and it doesn't align with what the state, is requesting that you do, you could be defunded, you could be fined, uh, you will be publicly doxxed board members who object to the state recommended. We always do. They always do recommendations. The state recommended curricula. um, And we've already seen that happening. Then we have Senator uh, Portentino's bill, SB 596. This bill was actually drafted in response to the Glendale Unified School District um, that I don't want to call it uprising, but that movement of parents, that pushback of parents in Glendale. And that bill criminalizes parents, or anyone who speaks up at a school board and disrupts the school board, you could face up to one year in jail or $1,000 in penalties and fines. So we have the perfect storm of trying to either take your kids away, and if we can't take your kids away, we're still going to indoctrinate them, still going to fill their heads with ideas that pit them against you and try to alienate them from you. Um, and if you have the, the, the gall, the gumption, to try and stand up for yourselves or your children, then we could throw you in jail. I mean, this is as authoritative, authoritarian, excuse me, and, and, and Marxist and communistic as, as you get.
6: Pearson suggested that these bills presume that parents who are unsupportive of their children's identity or sexuality are bad. But a fundamental principle of this country is that people are innocent until proven guilty, and that parents won't abuse their children if they don't affirm their identities. Evelyn, back to you.
0: Thank you, Jack. And Entity reached out to Senator Weiner and Assemblywoman Carrillo for a comment.
1: We asked about the allegations of stripping rights from parents in the bills mentioned. We didn't hear back.
0: And moving on, a recent surge in new COVID strains has prompted one Atlanta University to reinstate mask mandates for its students. Morris Brown, president Kevin James is asking is calling, I should say, the move a precautionary measure due to an increase in students there testing positive. Social distancing guidelines and prohibiting large group gatherings are also mandated. The restrictions are in place for the next 2 weeks. Cases have gone up three weeks in a row across the state. Students returning to class last week may be the reason for the recent rise in cases. And coming up, American Airlines pilots approve a contract offering big pay raises. We have more updates from entity business host Don Ma.
1: Stay with us. Good to have you back. Pilots at American Airlines are winning big gains in wages and benefits. The group just reached an agreement that will raise their pay substantially. Joining me now is Entity Business Host Don Ma. Good morning, Don. Morning, Kevin. How are you? I'm doing great, and I hope you are too. So American Airlines pilots have approved a new contract that will raise their pay by more than forty percent over four years and increase company contributions
8: to retirement plans. So Don, can you give us a few more details on the contract? Sure, Kevin. So the contract is valued at almost $10 billion. Um, The contract also includes about $1.1 billion in immediate one-time payments and ratification bonuses. Um, On top of that, there's going to be an immediate pay raise of more than 21% as well. Um, Quality of life improvements as well, they represent nearly 20% of the increased value of the contract. Uh, in addition to the uh, to the raises, Americans pilots will receive more than uh, more pay when they go on vacation and or reassigned or are in training. Um, the company also agreed to improve life insurance, long-term disability and retirement benefits. Um, So, about 73% of pilots who took part uh, voted in favor of the four-year contract. American has about uh, 15,000 pilots, so those are some brief points. Yeah, pilots are important, and they work hard, and this is all during a pilot shortage, right? Yeah, absolutely, Kevin. The industry has struggled with a pilot shortage since the COVID-19 pandemic, and according to some estimates, uh, the U.S. airline industry has a shortage of about 10,000 pilots. And this shortage could last years, Kevin. In fact, this deal itself reflects the bargaining power held by pilots because of the shortages. Now, on top of that, there seems to be no let-up in travel demand either. And airlines are in a rush to staff up. And even on top of that... More than half of pilots working today will hit the mandatory retirement age of 65 in the, in the next 15 years, and younger pilots are not making up for those aging out. You
1: no know, pilots down, demand is up. Well, we'll see how this affects airline fares. Now, anything else for us,
8: Don? Sure. Um, staying with air travel, you know, disruptions around 6,000 flights were canceled yesterday after tropical storm Hillary hit the West Coast. Uh, Now, this is according to tracking website FlightAware. Uh, Frontier and Southwest Airlines were the most affected. Travel experts are saying that airlines will typically rebook travelers on the next flight at no extra charge. But if you don't choose to rebook, uh, you're also entitled for a full refund. Now on the topic of traveling, uh, with Labor Day weekend fast approaching, AAA says domestic travel bookings are up four uh, percent. Now this is compared to uh, a year ago. International bookings saw a whopping forty-four percent increase. These uh, these bookings uh, these include bookings for flights, hotels, rental cars, and cruises. Uh, the five most popular domestic destinations are Seattle, Orlando, Anchorage, New York, and Las Vegas. Um, and an update on the housing market as well. Mortgage rates spiked yesterday due, due to a rise in bond yields. Uh, according to Mortgage News Daily, the average interest rate on 30-year mortgages rose to 7.48%. That's, that's quite high. This is marking the highest level since November 2000. And at the same time, the median U.S. home sale price has fallen for two consecutive quarters to around And Kevin, that's all from me this morning. Looks like a lot of people are getting ready to travel. I'm happy for them. Well, thank you, Don,
1: host of NTD Business. It was great speaking with you. Thank you, Kevin. Yeah, Labor Day is coming up.
0: Yeah, you're right. It seems like international travelers still unfazed about uh, disruptions and prices, I mean.
1: Right. (laughs) And still to come, a new fossil found in Brazil paints a better picture for dinosaur experts.
0: An 8,500-year-old prehistoric settlement could be the oldest in all of Europe and it's not just archaeologists excited about the find, so make sure you stay with us for that story after the break. Welcome back. We're heading to the UK where a mysterious structure has left people puzzled. A totem pole has suddenly appeared on Britain's southeastern coastline. No clue exists as to who put it there or why, leaving many to speculate about its origin and purpose.
1: The structure is carved from a single tree and bears the inscription Perkunas 2023, making reference to the Baltic god of lightning and thunder.
0: Many residents have embraced the eight-foot-tall monument as a new landmark on their coast, describing it as a kind of guardian for the area.
5: The fact that no one's actually taken ownership of it as well,
0: it all adds
5: up to the mystery. That's the exciting thing about it, isn't it? I mean, it's like our own local Banksy, really, isn't it?
7: It's just we're on the edge of the world here, aren't we? So you can't, the, the cliff stops, it drops away, and you're out to the sea and the ocean. So if, this, if the storm god's going to protect anywhere, this seems to be the place to do it. So it's protecting our coasts, it's protecting our seabirds, it's protecting our wildlife, and potentially protecting the people that are crossing for the channel as well.
0: The Kent Wildlife Trust, which owns the land, will be applying for a retrospective planning permission to ensure the structure can remain where it is. But whatever its purpose is, it certainly draws quite a bit of attention. Quite obvious, right there, too.
1: Yeah, who put it there? It's a good question. Yeah,
0: I'm sure the artist will step forwards. Well, maybe. Yeah, gotta Let's look hope. for
1: some tracks around it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> And in southern Brazil, the recent discovery of a special dinosaur fossil is sparking worldwide interest.
1: The fossil paints a clearer picture of what one species of dinosaur precursor probably looked like. Deep in the
7: heart of Brazil, paleontologist Rodrigo Temp-Muller discovered fossil remains that may provide new insights into the origins of dinosaurs.
5: The point is, we know very little about this animal. And this new discovery allows us, for the first time, to have an idea about how these animals looked. For the first time, we know how the faces of these creatures looked.
7: Experts call it Venetoraptor gassinae and say it's a precursor to dinosaurs and pterosaurs. It looks quite different than imagined before this fossil's discovery.
5: By gathering this new information on this animal's anatomy, for the first time we can see the precursors of the pterosaurs in a very clear way. That by itself is a very important discovery.
7: While we can't know everything about dinosaur origins, this discovery adds useful information to fill in one more piece of the puzzle.
0: A collaboration between Swiss and Albanian archaeologists has uncovered an 8,500-year-old prehistoric settlement.
1: They're calling the discovery the oldest known prehistoric settlement in all of Europe.
0: The settlement is located on the shore of Lake Lynn in what is now Albania. Modern technology played an important role in the analysis of the site. GPS and radiocarbon dating were both used in the project. If the age of the site is confirmed, it would prove to be older than sites found in Italy.
1: The archaeologists of the project aren't the only ones excited about the find. The Macedonian government sees it as a great opportunity for future tourism. The Lynn site is currently under 13 feet of water and very deep in the ground. So it's not directly visible, unlike other ancient ruins. Such beautiful scenery.
0: Mm, Absolutely fascinating. Going for a dive. <laughs> yeah,
1: looks like we can start our own NTD History channel now.
0: Yeah, it sounds very right for today. All right, and we're ending it right here. That's all for today's program. We'd love to hear from you at goodmorning at That's our email address. If you have any feedback you'd like us to hear, thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee.
1: And I'm Kevin Hogan.